Hello, this is Kisa Shreen, and we've wrapped up season six, and the team and I are busy working on, you guessed it, season seven. Over the next few weeks, you'll be hearing select interviews from our new Net Zero Conversation series. LSAT Group's Head of Sustainability, Jane Goodland, will be interviewing leaders across finance, government, and business. With COP27 just around the corner, can you believe it? Accelerating the transition to net zero is on everyone's minds, and you'll hear from an exciting lineup, including the UK Environment Agency, EY, the Church of England Pensions Board, and more. The series was recorded at the Net Zero Delivery Summit in May 2022, hosted by the City of London Corporation in association with the COP26 UK Presidency 2022 and the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, also known as GFANS. As always, we love hearing from you. So reach out on social media or at our show inbox, FMT at lseg.com. Now over to Jane and her conversation with the CFO of Heathrow Airport. Enjoy. Javier, welcome and thank you for joining us on Net Zero Conversations. Thank you, Yanni. Now, I understand uh, you are CFO at Heathrow Airport and uh, you've just published your first Net Zero strategy uh, recently. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yes, well, we started our journey in sustainability back in 2017. At that point in time, our Hydro 2.0 plan was a very broad strategy covering sustainability across everything. But what we have learned over the last few years, especially on the back of COP26, is that we needed much more focus. And that's why we published our refresh Hydro 2.0 plan connecting people and planet back in February. As part of that, we are really focusing on two things. One is making sure that Hydro uh, remains a responsible business. Unfortunately, today, there are many cases of human and nature trafficking happening across borders everywhere. So it's absolutely critical that we, we do that. But more importantly, it's also critical that we accelerate our focus to making Hydro a great place to live and work. And importantly, even more, that we accelerate our action to remove uh, carbon from aviation, which is the unacceptable cost that these days aviation is adding to the environment. And your role as a CFO, how, how, what, what does net zero have to do with your role in finance? Well, I think it has to do with absolutely everyone working in aviation. So uh, I, part of my role as a CFO is to really raise the funds. Part of the bonds, I'm responsible for the debt that we have today. One of our bonds, for example, matures in 2058. When that date arrived, uh, we will have to be compliant with existing regulation. Therefore, this is not an ethical uh, challenge only. This is a value issue as well. So we need to make sure that we remain compliant. And therefore, this existential opportunity across the aviation is impacting all of us. Obviously, especially myself as CFO, but also chair of the investment committee. I have the accountability to enable all the uh, goals, ambitious goals, but realistic goals that we have set in our Hydro 2.0 plan to make uh, that a reality. I also sit in the board of directors and also uh, looking at the different investors that are uh, bringing their investment at Hydro. We are uh, getting their challenge, but also the support to make the transition happening. So I wouldn't say that I'm, it's just my role. Absolutely everyone working in aviation feels that existential threat and that should power our ambition to really decarbonize aviation at speed. And how realistic is it that uh, air travel can be decarbonized at the rate that we need it to be 
Is it practically possible? It is possible. So when you look at the, at the numbers, today the world is facing uh, 57 gigatons of uh, CO2 emissions, and aviation is contributing to 2% of that. So when you really look at where those emissions are coming from, 95% of them comes from aircraft burning fossil-based kerosene. And our plan, Hydro 2.0, is to reduce that by 45% by the end of this decade. The way that we are doing that is primarily four things. is changing the airplane, making it more efficient, more dynamic. Today, we have cleaner aircraft across our, our skies. Second is deploying sustainable aviation fuels, which we'll come back in a second, but this is the proven technology that has been working for 70 years that can reduce CO2 emissions by 80%. Obviously, on top of that, we are encouraging and supporting new technologies. So we will see hydrogen being deployed in aircraft in the mid-30s. And then finally, we continue working on implementing uh, greenhouse carbon removals. So either nature or technology-driven, they can start shucking carbon from the atmosphere. But the real unsung hero here is sustainable aviation fuels. This is a technology that does exist, has been operating for 70 years. And the biggest advantage of that technology is that can be blended with existing jet fuel. You don't need to change the engine of the aircraft. You don't need to change the pipelines of the airport. So the only problem that we have at this stage is scale. We are today, Hydro is the largest consumer of sustainable aviation fuel in the world. But we want to move faster. And I think this is where combination of policies and financial markets doing their magic can help us to really transition that at an even faster speed. Climate has shifted from the margins of finance to the mainstream. The financial system has a crucial part to play in achieving economy-wide decarbonization and transitioning to a net zero economy. Discover how the London Stock Exchange Group is enabling the global financial markets to achieve sustainable growth with our unique ecosystem of sustainable finance solutions and insights at lsat.com forward slash net zero podcast. And how could the leadership role that you're taking be replicated across the world? And I mean, there's all airports all over the place, right? So we need everyone to be doing this. How are you working with airlines? Are you working with other airport operators? Well, I think, I think in terms of our journey here, my probably the most obvious, simple, but also hard first step is to embrace what science is saying. Science is crystal clear and the uncomfortable truth is that we are contributing to global warmth. And if we don't change track, the effects of that are going to be absolutely catastrophic. So I think step number one is to accept uh, science on that regard and therefore accept the responsibility that we have to become part of the solution rather than continue being a part of the problem. This is not something that uh, a single organization can, can change. But when you look at Hydro today, we are the largest consumer of SAFs. We are the only hub airport in the largest aviation market in the world. So if we can fix Hydro, we can fix aviation. And fixing aviation is important not because of the total volumes, because how symbolic it is. There's this perception that aviation uh, will struggle to decarbonize. But mm -hmm. we are absolutely confident that with the plan that we have in place, we can decarbonize aviation. And that's absolutely critical to give confidence to other industries to get on with it. And the airline industries as well, are they setting net zero targets? I think we're very lucky. Airlines, actually, they have an even more critical role to play. At the end of the day, of the 21 million tons of CO2, that uh, Hydro across the scope one and two and three produced back in 2019, 20 of them 
comes from airlines and aircraft burning fossil-based kerosene. The great thing is that uh, the UK is the first country and the first aviation was the first sector in the world to commit to net zero by 2050. And that was followed by IATA, the international body for airlines, which was the first sector globally to commit to net zero. So we are in taking brave and courageous uh, steps. 2022 is a critical year for us because later in the summer, we are working for United Nations, ICAO, General Assembly in Montreal, to codify all these pledges into global commitments. That will create the mandate on supply that we are seeking. At the same time in the UK, we are working with the government to really give them the encouragement and the support to really codify all of that into great policies. Uh, with the creation of the Jet Zero Council, I think that they are well advanced and we expect also this year that the UK will translate all of that into Jet Zero policies. So we can uh, really accelerate uh, the, the strengthening of investment case and to attract private investment to really uh, make this a reality at scale. Uh, we are the carbonizing aviation. SAFs is not technology fiction, it's happening and has been happening for 70 years. What we are really doing that is to scale in that up so we can remove uh, carbon from the aviation as quickly as possible. And what's required in order to scale up sustainable aviation fuels? So I think at this stage, the two problems that we have is that there's not enough of it. To, uh, if you fast forward to 2050, aviation will require 450 billion litres of uh, SAFs to really support aviation. And today we are far from there. So to really scale up and to give comfort to private investors to really grasp that massive opportunity, we need two things. First of all, it's a mandate on supply. So consistency that there's going to be a strong pipeline so private investors can put their money behind this proven technology. And the second is contract for differences. When you look at the pricing of sustainable aviation fuels today, it's up to five times more expensive than fossil-based kerosene. Contract for differences is something that is not new, was exactly the type of economic policy that was required to get offshore wind out of ground and to really to accelerate. So what we are encouraging the government is to really put in place those two simple but courageous mm. policies so we can really scale up uh, the use of SAFs. That's fascinating, thanks so much. I have one final question, uh, Javier, if you don't mind. As we kind of look forward to COP27, What's the one thing, in your opinion, that will make the summit a success? I think the key success for me would be to really keep with the um, focus that we got in COP26. Science-based uh, science targets, I think, is absolutely critical. But probably I think that the next step that we really need to move into uh, COP27 is to move targets earlier enough. Today, we, it's fantastic that as a first step, we are all committing to 100% decarbonization by 2050. But to get that, we need to get specific things done in the current decade. So I think that the fundamental next objective is to really bring all these uh, great commitments forward. So as someone would say, we move from blah, blah, blah into tangible outcomes. Javier, thank you very much. Thank you. We invite you to subscribe to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream your content. What did you think about the podcast? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on our show. Thank you for joining and see you next time.